Go ahead. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're two idiots that drink beer and talk about movies and just do idiot things. And uh, with our nutjob November behind us and uh, December ahead of us, we decided we'd kind of go back to our roots, which way back in the day, two years ago, this podcast started with the idea of being able to watch movies Without yes, having to go out, that we're streaming and well, supporting local breweries. You know, so without having going... to go out and uh, <laughs> keeping our local breweries in business. But now that you can't go out and do whatever the hell you want, drink wherever you want, doesn't really matter. But we're going to do a month of streaming only stuff. And there is a correction I do have to issue if you listen to the end of last episode. I did say we'd be talking about the ritual, which turns out had a theatrical release in the UK and then became a Netflix movie about a year later. So fuck that movie. We're not talking about it. Instead, so I do recommend it. It's pretty deep. Yeah, it's good. It is good. Um, instead, though, we are going to be talking about some horror movies, some horror streaming movies this um, on this week, then some action movies, then some comedies, and then. We're going to jump away from streaming and we're just going to dive full head on into the Lifetime Christmas movies. For we're going to talk about those movies where you have a successful woman going back to her hometown and a guy selling trinkets with a magical dick convinces her to give up her successful life. That's right. That hometown living is always better than whatever success you've created for yourself as an independent human being. But um, nope. Love wins out and you got to start a family somewhere in the middle of the country. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we're doing streaming horror this, this week. And uh, like you said, we're not talking about the ritual. We're going to be talking about Fear Street 94. We're going to be talking about Apostle. And then we're going to talk about what everyone loves to talk about right now, which is Art the Clown and Terrifier. <laughs> the first Terrifier, not the second. We're only going to be talking I about have thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on that one. Yeah, Terrifier is an interesting one. But before we do any of that, we got to talk about what we're drinking. So, Mike, what do you got? All right. So, um, I've got a, uh, it is a collaboration with Valero, Snort, and Icarus. Okay. And it is their Muhi, or it's their uh, Why Kick a Moo Cow? Why Kick a Moo Cow? <laughs> I reviewed okay. it a little bit ago, but I wanted to do it again. Because I'm not sure I gave it a fair shot when I went back and re-listened to the episode that time. What episode was it? Mm, it was uh, the second. Uh, or no, it was the... I'm having a dead spot right now. Was it recently? Like, yeah, it was relatively recently. I was gonna um, say. It was in June. I just forget. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Whatever. I didn't have a bunch of time to go shopping this weekend, so that's we're doing another. Uh, also, my fridge is getting pretty full, so we're doing another. Yeah, there you go. Out. <laughs> yep. All right. So, how is your Y Kikamuka? Um, I really like it. I generally Icarus is one of my favorite. Bolero Snort, I'm hit or miss with kind of because I feel like they do a lot of like interesting flavors, and not all of them are my thing. And they're um, usually strong too. Yeah, they're usually pretty strong. It's an imperial IPA. And it is 8%. So this yeah. one's pretty strong. It's pretty much right where they live. 
But upon uh, re-drinking it, um, I actually like it better than I think I reviewed it the first time. Okay. All right. But uh, all right. So I, on the other hand, did actually have a chance to go beer shopping. So I'm not just drinking uh, Coors Banquets again. Um, so I grabbed uh, some Axe and Arrow, which is in Glassburg, New Jersey, uh, somewhere near Bonesall, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, it's not too far. Yeah, and then uh, it's called Jersey Viking, and it's a Nordic raw pale ale, six-point alcohol percentage, and it's got a weird, like, pickle aftertaste of sorts. It's not a full-on, but there's, like, it's like a hint of pickle. It's, I don't know, though. It's it's good, but at the same time, I'm looking at, like, did I get a bad one? <laughs> you know, It's just, like, did, like, I get, like, one of the bads that kind of turned or something? I don't know. Huh. Because I it's usually very like Axe and Arrow a lot. They have some... Now, they do also have a lot of candy sours, which I'm not a fan of, but... Yeah, I mean, it's really smooth, and it's got some really cool can art, like like this Viking warrior woman kind of thing on the can, but uh, yeah, Jersey Viking. Nordic raw pale ale. None of those things really go together, except for the Nordic part and the Viking part. Now, the Jersey and the raw part, that goes together. But um, anyway... So now let's get into it. We're going to talk about Fear Street 1994, which is actually part one of a trilogy of movies, but yeah. we're only going to be talking about the first. That's I've watched all three, so I can give greater context on it. Um, it is an R.L. Stein. It's based off of an R.L. Stein work, and I loved R.L. Stein as a kid. I'd say that was yeah, one of my ways into horror. Yeah, I don't know who didn't love that guy. Dude was awesome. You ever see like seen a picture of him too? He's fucking creepy looking. Man. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, he's creepy looking. He's kind of like when you catch Stephen King, like um, kind of like 80s Stephen King. You look at him, you go, that dude's a psychopath. <laughs> like he definitely <laughs> writes these books. <laughs> but yeah, so Fear Street, uh 1994 is a it's an interesting one because you can tell that they kind of were going for like a stranger things vibe where they wanted to capture the 90s nostalgia especially considering the fact i mean not that it's it takes place the same things would take place in the 80s but given the fact that it stars a straight it starts off with a stranger Things star in a mall (laughs) (laughs) so yeah right there it's like hey guess what this is netflix and we have our stable of actresses that we're going to use and you'll see sadie sink in the next one Now, uh, just from our text conversations, I think I probably like this one better than you did. Okay, let's get this off get this off my chest right off the bat. There are movies where when you watch them, you go, okay, I don't like this character. I don't like him. Um, the new Hellraiser is one that features uh, the main character where I just want her to die. Um, this one, I want the main character to die and die painfully. Um, but she doesn't because she's nope, she does character. she survives the trilogy yeah she's the main character and pretty much from the first second we meet her she sucks <laughs> you know she sucks and she sucks hard and it's ironic because she's a lesbian and they she really makes an effort to um completely shame her ex-girlfriend who is closeted and probably for a reason because her her mom seems to really suck so you could understand why this girl wouldn't want their secret lesbian, lesbian relationship to be public knowledge. Um, not just for the slobs versus snobs of the two towns that are involved here, but so our main character breaks up with her girlfriend 
and then starts to shit on her because her parents, the, the girlfriend's parents divorced and she went to live with her mom in the rival town next door. It's like, I forget, it's like Sunnyvale and shit town. Yeah, Shadyville, or it's like, it's shady- like shit town and shit, like Sunnyville or something like that. Yeah, it's like Shadyville. It's, it's some dead on the nose uh, town name. It's like and Springfield like and Shelby. rivalry and Sunnyvale always wins. And- yeah, it's like Springfield and Shelbyville, but without the cute hilariousness. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just basically they hate each other. Which it turns out that the reason, uh, Sunnyvale always wins. Spoiler alert is because like the the sheriff of Sunnyvale, his family had been actually doing the curse their entire like bloodline, and they were it's like a sacrifice to keep them being successful. Sure, <laughs> it's kind of like ready or not, but not creative, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but like, so she's pissed off. She's got this oh, like and, box. Hang on. So. The the success that they achieve is being the sheriff of a small town. Like, yeah, right. really, really, you're sacrificing yeah. people to be a a public servant of a town, not even like a senator or something. Talk about a cop's fucking wet dream, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's and then so with our main character Dina, she speak. I mean, and hey, speaking of Jersey, Dina was easily the worst member of the Jersey Shore cast. So just right there, that name alone has cursed her. You know what? I, and I don't. The fact that you know that is a little concerning to me. The only reason I know that is because that Beavis and Butthead uh, season that came out like ten years ago really made fun of her hard. <laughs> it was like in all the clips that they had of her. I was like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> but. So Dina is like really shitting on her ex-girlfriend, Sam. And it's all because of shit that's out of Sam's control and stuff that Dina did herself. So it's like, oh, so I'm supposed to be siding with this person who is actively a psychopath. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, and her brother is even funnier, but it you get the, the biggest Stranger Things vibes from these two because they're in a basement this whole this kid's base like the little brother is like living in the basement with his, with his pepe sylvia wall and all that shit and this kid's like online and everything he's in the he's like what's the girl he's talking to queen of the darkness or something like that is her like online aol handle or something like that aol screen name so there's a lot of like hey you know how that tv show on our network on our streaming service you guys love to watch is right there next to this movie when you clicked on it don't forget to watch that show too after this because we're going to make this seem exactly like that just set 10 years in the future (laughs) and even that you only really know because of the soundtrack (laughs) now mind you i am the demographic for the soundtrack of this movie i was 12 years old in the and when the movie is in and in the year this movie is set all the songs in this i was negative three yeah, Mike wasn't even a wasn't even a thought yet. All the songs in this movie to me took me right back to high school to like middle school and like early high school and all that. I was like, yes, this this fucking rules, whatever. But if I am, I don't know, 17 nowadays and I'm watching this movie, I'm going, oh my God, will they please stop with the classic rock? <laughs> you know, it's like this shit is garbage. And even for me, there are two montages walking through the school. Two of them, back-to-back, separated by maybe a line of dialogue that keeps the music out for a second, that have six songs bleed into each other. And it's not even like you get a break in between the songs. They just bleed into each other. And I was like, oh, my God, 
I get it, Netflix. You have money for licensing rights. <laughs> Holy shit, we need to stop this. <laughs> now, I will say with this, um, so going into it, I was like, wait, this is kind of like kids horror. Like, it's not full-blown horror. It's definitely R.L. Stein horror. Yeah. But you get some pretty good kills. You get some amazing kills in this. For one, the meat slicer kill. I was I like, felt so yes. my favorite character, too. I know, right? And when that happened, I was like, whoa, it's like, is Terrifier around? Is Art the Clown around here? <laughs> I was like, this is some good gore right here. I did not expect that. <laughs> no, definitely didn't. And then second That's, I flavor. do like the like the idea of like the killers in the town being able to be brought back. Like I do find that pretty interesting. Yeah, the premise of it that this this dead witch has um cursed the land basically and um through various hilarious events gets some blood spilled on her corpse and uh on on her bones and that in turn reanimates the three worst killers in the history of this town. Mm-hmm. Um one of which is essentially Ghostface from Scream. Um, the other is Jason, and then there's just goth punk girl <laughs> who, who like will just slash you a little ace. bit. The first yeah. thing she does is slice a guy's uh, Achilles tendon while she's sitting there singing whatever that weird ass song is. But then she's like just kind of like crazy goth girl like on the street when she slices him. Then when she's like walking through the like the um through the school or whatever it is mm-hmm. and or like the um and and the grocery store and she's walking through she's like sashaying all sexually and all that because i was like what is going on here <laughs> like where where did this shit come from but, yeah so the second movie gets when you get to the second movie that's where we get introduced to the uh the guy with the, the nightwing uh, killer jason, or whatever jason yeah, the Nightwing killer, like Camp Nightwing. When that came up, it was like Nightwing. I was like, really? <laughs> We're using Nightwing? That's also why my beer kind of works. Why kick a moo cow? It's like, it's like a, the can art looks like a camp that a murderer would show up at. I think most camps are where murderers would show up. <laughs> like, I don't think, even Bible camp, I'm pretty sure, like, that would be the place where I'd expect them to show up, like, just creating murderers. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, all of these people, like these killers are showing up. And I was like, okay, this, this is a cool premise. Like you can't kill these people until they kill the one that they want, which is Sam, yeah. because her blood is the one that resurrected them all. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool premise. But then. Well, that's when they get to, um, when they get to the mall and they just start squirting them all with blood. First of all, I'm like, awesome idea. How did you get that much blood from her without killing her? <laughs> right, exactly. Like her nose bleeds and she's like, whoa, how did we do this? That's, <laughs> it's um, kind of like, that, you know, that was a cool scene watching the killers fuck each other up. Right, it's like in, it's like when we'll get to it in Apostle when they have like the jars of blood. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she just picked up one of those and like smeared it all over them. <laughs> but, and then it's like, okay, that's a cool premise, cool story. Like the acting... Other than our main character, the acting is fine. These are I fine. I like the little actors. brother to an extent. The little brother I thought was cool as hell. He he kind of gave me um in the 2018 Halloween, the little black kid that's like clipping his nails, the one that's being babysat. He yeah. gave me vibes of like that kid. I was like, okay, this dude's pretty cool. But what killed me was everyone's getting everyone's getting ready for like a, they got it they're in the um this is when they're in the school they're getting ready for the final showdown with the three killers and they're leading them all into the one bathroom or whatever and everyone's got to change 
out of their blood covered clothes, they got to change into lost and found stuff, which is all like teacher clothes and all that kind of stuff. Everyone has paired off essentially, except it's um, Dina and Sam. And then it's um, little brother and meat grinder and meat slicer girl. And then the dude, Simon, who's just by himself changing in like the locker room. For some reason, everyone in their head goes, oh, we might die tonight. I don't want to have to die without having gotten laid. (laughs) So everyone (laughs) starts to at least make out with somebody. The the little brother and the meat slicer girl, I think her name's Kate. Uh, Little brother and Kate, they like make out essentially. And he like feels her up a little bit. Um. Dina and Sam go at it. Like I was like, "Oh, we got some. We got hands down pants. We got. We got. We're getting pretty graphic with this." I mean, it obviously, it wasn't hardcore. There was no nudity or anything. But I was like, "We're going a lot farther than I would have expected." This R.L. Stein adaptation. Yeah, that was go. the biggest. That was the best thing about this is that everything about it. I'm like, "Oh, we're actually getting like we're edging hard on here. <laughs> we're doing this." <laughs> but then. For some reason, Simon just jerks off in the bathroom sink. <laughs> like, wait, is he doing what I think he's doing? <laughs> That's I love. I think it's Simon that gives the pep talk to the little brother, where he's like, "Yeah, you might think she's just being nice to you, but she's not really nice, so she probably actually likes you." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, "What he?" T-? And it was so funny because he comes out and he's looking at everybody's like wait a minute he's like did we all have the same idea and he's like did you guys and they're like yeah he's like did you yet he's like me too and everyone's like what <laughs> you mean you just jerked off for no reason <laughs> i guess you don't want to die with cum all over you you know come all backed up inside you got post-nut clarity when you're going into this type of situation <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> you don't want to die young dumb and full of cum you just want to be young and dumb when you're dying <laughs> I love Simon. He's like, yeah, he, the, and that's the I thing. Sad that he died. Oh, and that yeah, he gets the axe to the head, which yeah. I was like, and like right after we find meat slicer, uh, cake in the meat slicer, I was like, holy shit! But of course, then at the end you have to have your scapegoats. You gotta you gotta be able to blame the kids that peddle the drugs, and it's like yeah. oh, okay, drug and fueled what drug induced whatever. But of it was really it, it really was kind of unfortunate because i hated dina so much mm-hmm. so much that everyone else was like so good i was like why can't one of these people be our main character and have dina be the drug dealer or something like, you know really the sam seemed like the more natural main character sam sam was also the best actress i think the yeah. best straight up actress of the group um the, the simon i was like where have i seen this kid before turns out that i've seen him in uh pam and tommy if you've seen pam and tommy he's the kid that owns the um the webcam business that is that wants to purchase the tape but um seth rogan tells him to go fuck himself and he becomes like a millionaire anyway because of it he's the one that runs the um the webcam uh factory or whatever okay but i was like oh i was like oh that guy but um but yeah, but then I was like looking at the casting. I saw like Sadie Sink was like briefly mentioned or something like that, even though she's only in the the coming next time part at the end of the credits, like right before yeah. the end credits. But I was like, oh, Sadie Sink, she's great. Like Max is a great character and she's a great actress in Stranger Things. Nope, gotta wait. <laughs> I have to put up with this Dina bitch, you know? <laughs> but then 
the other thing I was kind of like, I was, I was thinking in my head, I was like, there's two things in this movie that are, are um, completely insane to me. Like I couldn't believe it. Like it took me out of the movie and in this movie where ghosts are coming back to life to murder people. For one, everyone in this town, including Dina and the cop, are like dead shot. (laughs) They can hit you between the eyes from a hundred yards away and it will be no problem. (laughs) And then there is just imagine for one second being the janitor of that school (laughs) and having to show up to work the next day after they have mopped blood paths throughout the school and blown people up. So they make like three plans to get rid of the killers and all three end up working to an extent and then it's just like oh these killers are immortal so nothing will work yeah they like blew they up the bathroom. Them in the bathroom blew up the bathroom <laughs> not just them like the entire bathroom is fucked <laughs> okay. and then the glue start the goop starts coming back together and reforming the murderers yeah if anything the guy doesn't have to worry about cleaning up the goo because it will have walked back out the door but that is a blown up bathroom and not in the sense that he's probably used to you know and the but, mole was again a good plan to an extent <laughs> Right. And then my favorite part, though, and it, it was I mean, I'm not saying I it wasn't entertained, but the part and there were a couple like laughs here and there. But the part that actually made me like legit laugh out loud is when we're panning through the grocery store and we get the wall of employee of the month and it's all Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one. It had me laughing. I was like, oh, that's a good gag. <laughs> It's like this dude sucks at his job, but he is still somehow the best employee in this entire store. <laughs> he was almost as good as the uh, well, he was a uh, uh, in a close second was the um, the guy that works at the mall, the janitor at the mall, the black guy that just for yeah. some reason kept being arrested, you know, yeah. for all of the random shit that he was doing. I mean, that's that yeah, he's funny because in the 1994 segment in the third one they're like yo you want to help us kill the sheriff and he's just like fuck yeah let's go of course i wouldn't i wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it <laughs> but yeah this this movie is it's it's good but the weird it, it has a weird feeling of I mean, well, it's because it is the first of a trilogy. It's all set up. Like this movie seems like it's it could could stand alone, but a lot of it, a lot of it is kind of like, hey, but there's another two movies that are out here. Check like, these out. Too. This so, is the first time I've ever looked at a Metacritic score and went, hey, not bad, the Metacritic. <laughs> they <got it> right. <laughs> Sixty-seven. Eh, that I makes sense. That, that's about right. You got it. They got it right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll probably watch the the other two just to get the full story because I mean, I didn't hate this movie, but it was the main character. I just absolutely could not stand Dean. I couldn't stand the actress, and I'll never watch her in anything else. So again. IMDb does not agree with me on uh, the best Year Street movie. This one is a six point two, seventy eight is a six point seven, which is the highest rated. Probably 68. because of Sadie Sink. <laughs> That's I do. The second one it does have like. The second one feels the most like a horror movie. Well, that's supposed to be more of like the Friday Thirteenth camp slasher, right? Yeah, because this is more of like the the ghost face scream as scream. And then the third slasher. one, I would almost not even consider horror. Well, it's supposed to. I mean, judging by like what I could read and whatever, it seems to be almost like the Vovovich. You know, yeah. it's like that kind of thing. Yeah, um, it is kind of, or even Apostle, <laughs> you know, or even Apostle. 
but yeah, I mean, so I didn't, I didn't hate this movie. I thought it was like, it's a fine way to spend your, uh, to spend an hour. And the good I, thing I, was, if you're an R.L. Stein fan, you'll probably like it. Absolutely. It, it's, it's intriguing. I mean, I'm way past the age of the book, I'm assuming, but I kind of want to go back and see if there is a hardcore lesbian sex scene in the middle of that book. <laughs> see if R.L. snuck that one in there. But, um, uh, but what was excited? Oh yeah, and it's and it doesn't stick around too long. Like it's like yeah. one hour and a half, and you're done. You're like, all right, we're good, we're out of here. But and uh, and I think like five minutes of that is essentially set up at the end of the movie <laughs> for the next movie. But yeah, pretty much, yeah. So that's Fear Street ninety four from two thousand twenty one on Netflix. Uh, Mike, how is your beer? Doing pretty good. Um, I am kind of nursing it. I'm not going through it too fast. I got to be up early for work tomorrow, and it's pretty yeah, strong. So do I. So, but it does for how strong it is it goes down pretty easy so good job icarus and bolero snort nice all right yeah and my jersey viking is on, i'm almost on my first one and yeah it's got this it's good but i don't know what this damn aftertaste is it's like sort of pickle sort of not <laughs> like it's i i can't i can't describe i'm not it. a pickle beer guy no, absolutely nope. not. Pickles are definitely something that should just kind of be in a hamburger every now and then, and that's about it. But um, <clears throat> like those Lay's pickle chips, it's like, ugh, you can put those in a hoagie and be fine, but I'm not eating them straight. Yeah. So anyway, so now on to um, probably the best movie of the three. Like almost it's like the only actual movie i would say of the three yeah this is um apostle from 2018 also from netflix directed by gareth evans an actual director who did the raid redemption raid 2 and he actually did vhs 2 which i'm not a giant fan of the vhs series but i will recognize it as a segment of it too didn't he yeah i'm pretty sure but yeah he's he's like a legit director and this, I, is this essen- movie looks really good. It looks great. And it's essentially the Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Wicker Man meets, I don't know, Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah, that's you actually get to see the God in this one. And like you can see how they perverted uh the worshiping of her. <laughs> Absolutely. And but really what this does break down to is essentially it's a cult movie with a little bit of supernatural shit going on. And because our villains. It, it is wicker man essentially it starts off as wicker man it's a guy coming to look for his sister which in the original wicker man i believe is a guy trying to find a missing person yeah um if i'm remembering correctly and it's the same story i think the same general story in uh cage wicker man too um but he's trying he's he's a former um missionary we find out and uh and then he's trying to find his sister who has been in this cult and is being ransomed for big bucks because apparently this for family their family is rich and uh, and the town that the island community is dying because yeah. of their mistrust <clears throat> of the god that they're trying to worship well when you imprison the god that you worship yeah and you force feed her blood i'm pretty sure you're not gonna get what you want yeah. <laughs> you know and of course and it's gotten to the point where animal sacrifices no longer work apparently She's actively rotting things from the inside out. You got to move on to, of course, human sacrifice. <laughs> so, but that's what your cult should be. Your cult should be human sacrifice for the mother nature or some shit like that. Oh, you should start off like, that way. 
you get like rivers of gore and guts and blood actual rivers of blood there's a legit underwater river of blood (laughs) like underground river of blood that we have to go through and of course we shouldn't get too much farther before saying that hello actual actor michael sheen (laughs) michael sheen plays malcolm who is the leader of this cult and i love michael he's amazing (laughs) dude is awesome (laughs) because anything that michael sheen's in is instantly better because of it (laughs) he makes the like when he's in twilight his scenes are the best part he's uh, other than our girl kate other than our girl kate beckinsale he's easily the best part of the first uh uh, underworld movie as well you know lucian or whatever even though yeah. he's, he's really toned down in that he's still the best like he's still michael sheen he still rules but this movie could it it is it's got a lot of creepy shit going on but yeah. it's it really the one thing i will say against it is it's a bit long and it doesn't really it kind of follows the cult formula yeah. where your main bad guy that you're set up to look at Malcolm or Michael Sheen's character is like, Oh, he's the evil head of the cult. Turns out that number one, his number one is really the psychopath because he doesn't think Malcolm's a devout enough follower. He yeah, thinks he he's, thinks a, he's <laughs> too, uh, too lenient and too merciful. Yeah. He thinks he's a false God and false prophet and all that shit. And it becomes the normal, you know, formula that those type of movies play out. But I did appreciate that we do have some very creative. We have one very creative kill in this movie, and it is. Um, I don't remember what the kid's name is. It's just it's our the number one guys, um, the number one henchman guys' son, a uh, daughter, and uh, and like number three henchman guys' son. They're yeah, in love. They um, fuck, and he gets God, her pregnant. Frank. Yeah. Frank, it's Quinn. Quinn is the Quinn and Frank's kids. Yeah. Uh, Frank's uh, Quinn, Frank's son impregnates Quinn's daughter, even though they're in love and they're blah, 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 and whatever. And in this cult, I'm sure you could probably get married if you wanted to. But, <clears throat> but of course, being the devout, pious man that he is, he finds it to be wicked and evil and blah, blah, blah. So he not only kills his own daughter, he blames the kid for it. So the kid snaps and goes after him and then... He loses the fight between this gigantic, you know, Irishman, basically, and this little twig of a human being child. He loses the fight, and they put him in this rack. And they put him in the rack, they brace his head, and then he just drills into the back of his head with, like, a corkscrew, like, you know, hand crank saw. And they put in a purity, like, rune. And I was like, okay, that's pretty sweet. (laughs) I was like, that's a pretty sweet kill. I mean, if you're going to do an honor killing, that's how you do it, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's, um, again, the bet, this is like, I'm going to say it's my second favorite cult, quote-unquote, kill, right after Midsummer, where the old man jumps off feet first. Yes, and that's that's the other movie that this is kind of like. It's kind of like Wicker Man meets Midsummer, you know? It's it's something like that. And yeah, it's the old man, and then, of course, you got your hollowed out bear in that, which is just another great way to go. <laughs> it's just another great that, That's, But again, the hollowed out bear in Midsummer is only the second best bear costume in a movie, right after Nick Cage being a bear and just Ray Rising. <laughs> in, in Wicker Man, it all comes full circle, you know? <laughs> all an intricate tapestry, you know? Fucking bears, man. <laughs> Fucking bears. But, oh, yeah. But, 
it's and of course i mean mike's probably got the cast list up i'm not gonna bother but mm -hmm. our main character i believe his name is thomas i think Yes, um, and that's uh, Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens, who you may or may not know, depending on what you watch for movies. You may know him from um, the Beauty and the Beast, the Emma Watson Beauty and the Beast. He plays, I believe, the Beast. Yes, he's also in Downton Abbey. Yeah, he's also in, I believe, the TV show Legion, I think is what he was on. Yeah, uh, the TV show Legion. But he's good, and he's, re he's really good. And I do have questions about his background, though, as a missionary, because at one point he is being held with spears like his the spears are over his shoulders. His arms are locked into spears and he's being held there. And what he then eats the fuck out of everyone around him, then pulls like a John Wick <laughs> and just completely decimates this like room of people. I was like, wait a minute. Christian missionaries in the early 1900s were what trained ninjas? <laughs> what were these like, um, oh god, he's almost like the priest in King of the Hill. Uh, that they, they watch the, the priest show and he's a Mexican priest and he just kicks everyone's asses. Yeah, I mean it's it's like that. It's like holy shit, <laughs> you know, where did this guy come from? Like, what have they been teaching you in Jesuit school, you know? Or but uh, it's, um, oh god, there's an early um uh why can't i think of the guy who made lord of the rings the the uh, peter jackson yeah. peter jackson one of peter jackson's like first movie is like a zombie movie and there's a priest in it and there's a bunch of zombies attacking and he just goes this calls for divine intervention and jumps down and beats the shit out of all the zombies yeah and he just he just throws out the line i kick ass for the lord that's right it's like it that, that's what he should have yelled but and, or you get a scene because we do get a flashback of his life, of his missionary times and how he got this gigantic cross brand on his back that he yeah. has. And it turns out the Chinese weren't a fan of mis Christian missionaries. So they kill everyone he's with, burn his village to the ground, and they brand him with this gigantic cross. It's like, did he, was he stuck? in like a Batman Begins type of prison after that, where he learned the ways of like- Wait, he had to fight, like fight to survive. It was like the League of Shadows like teaching him in this prison. Like, how did he learn to fight this way? <laughs> he's a heroine. He's like, he's not, he's an opium addict. He's on laudanum the whole movie. Like, how the hell does he not, how does he know how to fight, let alone the faculties about him to be able to do it still, you know? <laughs> It's like, Jesus, this is Batman level training, man. Yeah. yeah, and that's so. This is the best movie of the it movie. is. It's, it's, I would argue, it's the only actual movie of the three. Yeah, simply because Fear Street's part of a trilogy and Terrifier is well, we'll get to Terrifier, but Terrifier is Terrifier. Terrifier, is you know? terrifier. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is like a legit movie, you know. And it's really like, even though it's pretty formulaic as a uh, cult movie, uh, <clears throat> the performances, they have a few standout performances, a full-blown river of gore, uh, some good kills. Like, it is what you look for. It, like, yeah, it's formulaic, but the formula works when you execute. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> it's, the it's the little flares of, like, gareth evans is like of like the raid redemption kind of thing like there there are a lot of like 
camera tilts and stylish choices that he makes for the, some of the fight scenes in particular mm-hmm. that remind me of that movie of those two movies and it's like okay I, this is the guy like this is the guy that did the raid like he's got to throw this shit in here and it makes it looks great these fights are really good in like visceral fights like they're really good but then <clears throat> towards the end we get cliffs exploding because the goddess has been set on fire she's been quote-unquote set free she has been set on fire and everything's on fire after that because she's connected to literally everything and then the cliff sides explode blood (laughs) i was like now that's a cool ass shot (laughs) that's a cool idea one of my other favorite it's like a more underrated scene in this but one of my favorite scenes is the shortest lived rescue ever he's like he gets in i saved you and immediately just gets knocked out (laughs) he gets knocked out by like this shirtless dude covered in blood with like a twig wicker mask the grinder grinder, whatever he's got this wicker mask on it's like what the hell is going on here and then of course he goes through the grinder so we got two people going through a meat grinder or a meat slicer in these movies because we do never get a background on the grinder we don't even get like we don't even really get a shot of anybody looking at him really he's just kind of around you know and we get the uh, we get the sense that his job is basically like grunt like he is supposed to guard the 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 uh the goddess he's also supposed to kidnap some people or move people that have been kidnapped in the sacks we've got like a little mandy hanging sack situation going on for a little bit he like he's gonna hang up uh, some people He's going to knock people out if he has to. He's going to kill some people if needed. It's like, this dude's just the enforcer. Like, that's what he is. But, but I, he, again, you don't get anything from, like, is he just an inbred member of the society? Is who he, is, this a, guy? is he a pervert? Like, was he actually a disciple of this god before they perverted their worship of her? And did he become perverted with it? Or, is he like a lesser god or some kind? Yeah. Is he like her number one or something like that? That with her in prison, he has to serve in bondage too? You know, it's like, what is going on with this dude? I kind of want a little bit more story from this guy. But at the same time, what we get is perfect because to fully explain him would take away a lot of the creepiness and weirdness yeah. of him, you know? And it's it's so funny because there's other shit like the people in the trees um, when we're like kind of at the end, we're panning out, we're panning up in the trees, and there are people just impaled in the trees. We don't get we don't get anything. There's there's no previous scene showing people being put in the trees. There's no explanation of why they're in the trees. There's nothing from like the goddess when because she does a whole like mind meld with our main character Thomas, and it's like that's how she sees his previous past, and then you see uh, her past and all that. It's like we don't see anybody getting sacrificed by tree and all that, but I was like, you know, what's but you going on here? The forest god to be able to use like roots and stuff to impale a motherfucker. Yeah, it's like poison ivy, you know. It's like you want her to be able to control everything and just kill everybody with it, you know. But then, <laughs> then there are there are a couple different times um, in this movie where. I don't know. I, I felt like stupid things were done by smart people. Like Thomas takes the take is takes every precaution in the beginning because everybody's got this ticket, apparently. Yeah. And everybody's got a ticket to get on the island. One of with Thomas's ticket has a little blood fingerprint on it. And he notices he's tickets the only one that's like that. So he 
like sleight of hands it with the guy next to him and switches it and turns out that guy gets his ass beat <laughs> and then gets killed yeah. because that's the way that they they had marked the traitor basically which kind of leads you to believe like what's going on with the father like the guy that sent thomas like he gave him the ticket it's like did he know that this was going to happen to him like that's yeah you don't really get much in terms of the background because like hey his father sends him to like bring the ransom for the daughter so you're like do the island like the island people want to get the money but you don't believe they're ever actually going to let them go if they do get the money no absolutely not and and then there's he creates thomas creates like a map of the island of where everybody's staying and where the important stuff is and all that and then he just kind of leaves it in his desk Mm-hmm. Like rule number one of cult living, dude, keep anything contraband or secret on you at all times. So no one can find it in their random room raids that they're definitely going to do. <laughs> you know, you don't want them finding that shit because then you die, you know, yep. then they'll find out who your sister is and then she's going to die. And it's then, of course, there is just the hubris of being Michael Sheen's character in this situation where he's like the believer and blah, blah, blah. He does not do what all good dictators do and just straight up kill their subordinates, you know, yeah. just flat out kill everyone, keep everyone on edge. Like, we don't know when we could die next, you know, maybe that's we'll just do what so this guy says. But obviously that's on purpose because they want Michael Sheen to be like almost an anti-villain like he like a villain who thought he was doing the right thing which i'm kind of against now because every, they always want to make a villain likable or have a redemption arc sometimes you <sighs> just need a motherfucker to be evil for evil's sake which we will get to with our next movie which is why i enjoy art there is no story regarding art art is just art <laughs> and yep. art does terrible shit and so with this when it was like when michael sheen like at the end kind of shows up and he's just got that wound he's got the like the, the stab wound or whatever in his side he just kind of like watches everything explode and the boat sail away and he just kind of sits down next to thomas and is like all right <laughs> it's like, like okay, yeah, mistakes were made <laughs> mistakes were made well both we're both gonna die on this deserted island i guess you know <laughs> we'll die right now forest god i'm just gonna die here <laughs> right you're gonna die now uh actually no you're gonna become the god too so Try not to kill me, you know. I hope imagine you. he be imagine Michael Shin becomes the new grinder. That would be great. That would be great. It's like, oh, you're here with me now. I need a new sidekick. You know, you're the grinder, but there's no one left. I don't care. It has to happen. <laughs> but it is, it's it's a very it's a good. This is it, Apostle is a really good movie. Like you could shave off about 20 minutes of this movie and it'd be better. It'd be like yeah. almost perfect, but this movie really is worth it. If you're like, Hey, I want to watch a streaming horror movie for free. I have a Netflix subscription, throw on a puzzle and you're not going to be, you're not going to be disappointed. It is really good. Yeah. yeah I especially think if you're it was a good Wicker choice Man. for, cause like we kind of threw it in last minute. Apostle is what ended up replacing the ritual. And it, yeah. I, it was, I was happy with the choice. Yeah. There was a lot of other stuff we were throwing around, but thankfully we, uh, we landed on that. So, uh, we yeah. almost watched Brooklyn versus Vampires. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how well that would have gone over, but I'm glad we watched Apostle, you know. So, <laughs> so anyway, so that's Apostle. So, Mike, final beer check in. How's your beer? That's, I'm just about done with my can of Why Kick a Moo Cow, which is probably my all time favorite name for a beer. It's a fun name to say. It definitely is a fun <laughs> name a- to say. 
Uh, it reminds me of what the Mexican the Mexican village in uh in, in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Zuatanejo. Yeah, Zuatanejo. Yeah. Like a mukao. Like a and you're going to go along the fence and you're going to find a rock that shouldn't be there, you know, <laughs> and you're going to go down the Y kick a mook out. Just imagine Morgan Freeman saying that shit. <laughs> go down. You're going to go down the Y kick a mook out. <laughs> but it's for an 8% ale, it's very drinkable. Like um, you could probably drink a decent amount of these and get fucked up without realizing how fucked up you're getting. Yeah. 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 Those are the, those, those are the best worst beers. You know, it's like, Oh, this is a really good beer. And then it's like, Oh wait, I'm dying. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> what did I do? Not mistakes were made. Right. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake, but uh, yeah, my Jersey Viking Nordic raw pale ale from accent arrow is really good. Um, I kind of got the taste. I, I got a description for what that taste is. Now the flavor, it's not quite pickle, but it is that like dry hop type of taste you know it's it's like it's the dry not pine needles but sort of piney taste you know but yeah. it's not quite full piney it's just it's it's good it's just very good it's a smooth smooth pale ale that is very good way to go nordic folk um especially our jersey nords or apparently jersey vikings i didn't know we had jersey vikings but we do um anyway so now on to the movie the internet loves right now and um well, I got to tell you, this is the better of the two. Uh, and we'll get into it. Have you seen Terrifier 2, Mike? No, I haven't. Okay. Wait, then I, in like Fear Street with you, I have the full uh, story with this one. But um, Terrifier from 2016 is directed by Damien Leone, who, this is his wheelhouse. This is him, the Terrifier 2, All Hallows Eve, which was apparently the other movie that Art the Clown featured in. Um, apparently not as big a character, but he was in it. Um, and he wasn't and of course, by the same actor. Not played by the same actor. Yes. No, David Howard Thornton is now art. And that man is a professional mime as well as an actor, I believe, which makes art in this kind of endearing Yeah, <laughs> because he's, he's, and from what I understand, art was designed as the anti Pennywise. He was supposed to be, uh, whereas Pennywise is a talky motherfucker. Art doesn't say a word. Pennywise is nice and colorful and a clown. Art's black and white. You know, he's very, uh, Pennywise is very much a just out there big character that you get a lot of backstory on. Art, you don't know shit about, you know? So Art is just this psychopathic clown murderer. And turns out in the second one, well, the end of this one, into the second one, he's also supernatural. <laughs> yeah. But this movie is essentially just a straightforward, low-budget Basically, a Saw movie if Billy the Puppet was the murderer and didn't have a knack for Rube Goldberg puzzles. <laughs> yeah, it's just torture porn. That torture porn. And it's a cool hour and, I believe, just straight up hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half, something like that. Hour and maybe 45. Let's but, see. Yeah. You have it, the IMDb up. Where is yeah. I think it's like an hour and four. Hour 25 minutes. Hour and 25. There you go. Okay, so Mike, pull up the runtime for Terrifier 2. I'm going to tell you this. It ain't an hour and 25 minutes, and it definitely should have been. <laughs> uh, Terrifier 2's runtime is two hours and 18 minutes. Yes, it is, and it feels like an eternity. <laughs> it is awful. So, I mean, it's, okay, 
it's awful in the sense that it does not need to be that long. Like there are so many parts of that movie. You could, you could cut out 45 minutes of that movie and have this movie, but slightly better, you know, and the gore would be the same. Everything would be the same. And I don't know what the hell they were thinking. And it makes me worry that because they're going to do terrifier three. I makes me worry that they're going to make the third one like three and a half hours long. <laughs> Just like make it like end game proportions, you know? <laughs> what? So this was, it, there is no story to this. There's also outside of Art the Clown, you could argue there is no acting to this. Yeah. And that's the other thing. This is very much a low budget horror movie. $35,000 estimated budget. That's it. And it definitely seems like the bulk of that, which is good, went to the gore because the gore in this movie is awesome. (laughs) It is flat out awesome. And in the second one, it is flat out awesome. And there is no question that this movie is just a score effects, makeup artist, special effects artist, highlight reel. That's all it is because there ain't shit else going on. The, the no. story is literally survive. Yeah, there ain't shit else going on. And it does, it's funny because it does have some great use of gratuitous nudity. Yeah. And because we get some boobs in this and mm-hmm. we get the rear end of a girl. We get the back shot of her ass. But we very well could have gotten full on, full frontal of her as well. Or even a little bit of like lippage from the top. Because a girl gets bone tomahawked in this, basically. She gets cut in half. And she gets sawed in half through her, to use a bad pun, her axe wound. (laughs) You know, she gets sawed in half that way. And Art's grinding away with this hacksaw and going nuts. And it's a great effect. It is an amazing effect. And it is, like, it's the reason this movie, that scene is the reason this movie became notorious. Absolutely. And um, And it is legitimately a great well shot scene well practical effect scene all of it works like you can make this as dumb little short five minute youtube video and it'd be perfect (laughs) you know it's amazing but the problems arise because there's more movie around the scene (laughs) yeah so outside so art the clown is acted perfectly in this yeah david howard thornton is amazing everyone else is bad now you kind of got to give that to the $35,000 budget. Yeah. <laughs> they had to pick their friends, and that's about it. It's terrible. Like, getting to Art the Clown actually fucking people up, I was like, holy shit, when does this movie actually, like, be- start? <laughs> the, funny, the funny part is there are two scenes in this movie that – well, one scene was obviously on purpose. The other was complete accident, and it made it actually makes the scene work. The part that was complete accident is when uh, I'm just going to call her Bone Tomahawk Blonde. When she's sitting in her car listening to the radio and the ambulance goes by, that was like weirdly perfectly timed, apparently, because the ambulance was not supposed to go by. And when it did, it was like, oh, it's in the middle of this thing, talking about this murder, having this pizza place and all this. And it's like that was behind him. And it just happens to work perfectly. It's like, oh, good. Great. What luck. The next thing is the pizza place dies <laughs> because these dudes, apparently that is a legit pizza place that they were like, yeah, film a movie here, whatever. Can we be in it? They're like, 
we have no money. So absolutely. <laughs> we need actors. Perfect. Yes. Guess what? Here's your lines. Here's all you got to say. And he's basically just pulling like, cause this all takes place in New York, not the city, but somewhere in like New York. So the guy's got a real like, like mook attitude he's kind of like yo wow oh, what you want get the fuck out of here you know to go like, oh, you fucking gross you motherfucker get out of my pizza shop oh hey you know it's like this dude is like just being himself and he's just like hey he's like oh that guy bothering you you want some pizza what do you want you want a slice it's like this guy is just himself <laughs> and then like you get his head cut off as like a jack-o-lantern Yes, a great effect, a great, yeah. a great makeup effect, which is funny because in the second one, there a, a woman's head is used as a bucket for candy. <laughs> and it's the mother of the best kill in that movie, which is this girl gets killed in her bedroom and she is like being hacked up like a Christmas ham. Yeah. And, he, and and she is somehow still alive in this at the end of this movie. And her mom at the end of her scene, and her mom goes insane, art kills her, cuts her head off, uses her hollowed out head to hold candy for little kids that come up trick-or-treating. Yeah. And I was like, that's a good, great sequence right there. Like that is that is just as fucked up as I need it to be, you know. And it's a great use of the gore. Like it's it's a wonderful practical effect. But like I said, <laughs> there's a two-hour movie around that scene <laughs> that is no boy, no. <laughs> nope. Until we get to the very last scene of Terrifier 2, which involves uh, Art's head, baby head being rebirthed out of somebody from the, uh, out of the, um, what's her name? From uh, the, 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 the disfigured sister at yeah. the beginning and the end of this movie. Because there's a little bit of playing with time in this movie. It opens up with this figure girl on a yeah, talk show. It happens after the main events of the movie. Yeah, it turns out that that was a year later from what we've actually seen happen in the movie. And like I said, this thing has a very saw feel to it because it all takes place in like one basement, basically, like boiler room basement. Yeah, as that's, well. um, you also get, uh, oh God, Crazy Cat Lady. And I'm pretty sure she's titled as Crazy Cat Lady. I believe she is, yes. And what? she tries what? to just like mother art and hope that works. And you're like, hey, did it? I know it didn't, but it hey. didn't because he scalps her and cuts off her boobs and wears them both. Yep. <laughs> I was and like, what could be a problematic scene? <laughs> could be <laughs> somehow isn't because he's a psychopathic killer. You know, it's yeah. like this is Texas Chainsaw right here. This is Silence of the Lambs. That's all it is. But this entire movie and really both movies are problematic when you look at it from the standpoint of how the violence and who the violence is inflicted on in this movie the violence is inflicted on all women the women are tortured essentially there's one what's it like your main character for the first half of the movie she gets the uh much better outcome than her friend (laughs) Oh, yeah, she just gets shot a few times, yeah. you know? <laughs> and she just had to witness her friend get bone tomahawk, but then she was shot in the head, so it doesn't matter, you know? But, yeah, it's it's a lot of, like, it's a lot of very graphic, obviously very graphic, gore and violence against women. And though men die, do, do die in this movie, they're pretty much quick. They're just quick and easy. Yeah, that's... Go. Um... Like the pizza, the pizza shop guys and the two fumigator guys. Yeah, it's like get them and go. 
just the fucking... one guy walks in and gets his head chopped off almost immediately and that thing pops off yeah yeah it's pretty great but um, the pizza now i will say the jack-o'-lantern pizza head is like the second best it's good effect. Like, it really is because it looks like it's pretty good the fire even looks practical you know yeah. it's like this is good like how did they do this <laughs> i guess that's where the, the 35 fell went but then it's in the second one we do have more of a heroine we have a final girl in that movie and it's not a final girl like this movie has because this movie's final girl is just a victim that happened to have her face half eaten off yeah. and and was and art shot himself you know but so she didn't survive so i was reading time. a bit of like the description for two he gets brought back by like a deity it's weird <laughs> like it's very it's very strange <laughs> he just kind of comes back you know and it's okay sure but that's the official description for terrifier 2 um on imdb it says after being resurrected by a sinister entity art the clown returns to the timid town of miles county where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on halloween night yeah i mean he he targets everyone really that comes across his path and there there are a couple scenes where like the david howard thornton's um mime skills do really come into play and they are executed pretty well because um our main character in that is uh she's like a cosplayer and she's with her friend in a costume shop for halloween and she's trying to figure out uh get some new wings for her costume she's like this warrior girl that she's created whatever they're in she's paying for her stuff at the counter and art is trying on like sunglasses and shit like a little like a couple feet away from her and every time they cut back to art he's got a new pair of sunglasses on or he's got a new mask or some garbage shit on they somehow do make him comedic at points he and in that and in the second one he is funny there are times where he's legitimately funny like there's a scene you can see it's everywhere on the internet you can see he's got this pair of like yellow like sunflower sunglasses on it's fucking hilarious (laughs) like they cut to him he's just got like standing stock still with these glasses on it's kind of like um osama bin laden in um family guy when he's got like the sunglasses and he can't get through his little speech (laughs) it's kind of like they're just standing there he's like what if i stood there like didn't even mention you know but that's what art does he just kind of stands here he's got these glasses on it's like well, that's fucking funny man You're like this dude is good he's good with the body language and the mime and all that but that's so i keep going back to the bisecting scene bone tomahawk yeah bone tomahawk and we bring up south park a lot it makes me think of the south park episode this is the second time i brought up this episode too you know the uh shop teacher where it's like the episode the- where he- the saw yeah, yeah. He, he lays down on the machine and he's going in feet first he's like what am i thinking that would <laughs> like hell and then <laughs> around so his head gets cut first <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's this movie un- unfortunately it suffers from what it is which is a low budget gore horror fest you know a torture point everything besides it. art and the gore is bad it's just terrible. It's straight terrible. The story itself, there's no story. It's just like there, it's not there even is no- like, like Clerks was a low budget movie, but even like they got actual performances. <laughs> and they had a story. Like they yeah. had a story. They had pathos. They had these guys that were 
sick of their lives. Basically, they were stuck in a rut and they didn't know how to get out of their out of their rut in their their comfortable rut, basically. Yeah. And with with this movie, it's kind of like, okay, here's a scary clown. Here's a scary clown that murders people. Here's a scary clown that murders people in horrifying ways. Uh, is there anything else we need for a story? Uh, yeah, we should probably have the scary clown die and come back to life. Oh, okay, perfect. Uh, do we need anything else around that? Like other characters, maybe? Nah, I think we'll be good. <laughs> we just get some people in there to die. I would have given every single actor a pass for this movie if the younger sister who showed up at some point says, I'm not even supposed to be here tonight. <laughs> that would be great. Now, okay, so you mentioned younger sister. Is it ever made clear that she is, in fact, the younger sister? Because I don't know. I just kind of assumed it. I Now, that's the thing. I kind of assumed that she was, obviously, we see her in college. She's And we're told she's studying for some sort of test. We get the feeling that looking at this actress, who is clearly in her 30s, she's probably a grad student is what I was thinking. But she's living in like a regular dorm with like a roommate who just brings a guy home and starts fucking next to her, like literally next to her, like not even in a different bed. Like she's sitting next to the bed that they are having sex on. <laughs> and it's like, that's some shit that like a high, like a college freshman would do, you know? It's, yeah. It's like, this isn't grad school behavior right here. You know, you should have your own apartment or something. You should, you should not have this situation going on in a dorm room. So I was like, who the hell is this chick? You know, <laughs> what is she doing? And of course, she looks like she's 35. So it's like, is she the younger sister? Why is this other is this other sister the fuck up sister? You know, it's what is happening? <laughs> I need I a little know. bit of story. <laughs> you know what? They never make it clear, but let's let's reference IMDB and see what the actress's ages are, if they even give ages. <laughs> oh, I'm willing to bet that the our main character is older somehow. So but Jenna Cannell is Tara. That's our main character, I believe, right? Yeah. I believe that's no our, our birthday given on IMDb. Is that our, that's our first main character, I think. Yeah, I think Victoria is the sister. Yes. But um but uh, that no no birthday given for either. Of course not. And um just for fun, do they have one for uh Bone Time Hawk Girl? Uh let's see. Yeah, 1992. Yeah, good. She's 30. <laughs> 30 playing a corpse. <laughs> you know, she, she is well, a scarecrow. Sexy scarecrow. This was 2016, so she would have been 24 when it came out. 24, yeah. So, Which is yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, you could be, like, I was in grad school when I was 24. That's fine. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's fine. But that girl, that chick ain't in grad school. <laughs> yeah. You know, sexy, sexy uh, scarecrow ain't in grad school. But because her first thought, and you know how I know she's not grad school, her first thought when seeing the psychopath clown staring at her friend is to take selfies with him. Yeah. <laughs> she is not in grad school. This chick has barely gotten to college, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least, and this is where the credit I'll give the second one. In the second one, we do have a story of sorts. And it's not just gore to gore to gore, crazy clown committing gore. With the second one, it's there's very much um, our main character and her little brother. They live there with their mother, who their father killed himself. 
And we get this, the idea that he was having some sort of mental breakdown and he was an artist of some kind, maybe. And he actually drew the character that our main character has cosplayed as and ends up becoming. She's like this heroine warrior angel of sorts. He actually draws art in his notebook. So like, there's a lot of what the hell is dad doing with the, why is this guy's picture in dad's notebook? All that he does. He doesn't start killing people until after dad died, that kind of thing. So the question you think is, okay, if someone would at least wanted to make a twist in this movie, art would be the father. You know, he would be the father that had gone completely insane, that is now murdering people, whatever. He didn't actually kill himself, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the case. We never find out what happened. We never find out any kind of real actual reasoning behind why the father did what he did. But he basically, art is coming after essentially whoever just gets in his way, basically, you know, it's, it's very, it's very strange because art is not motivated yet. He's somehow motivated to kill. And it's, it's very weird juxtaposition here because there is no story for art. They try to give you a story for art, but that story is that there is no story for art. It's like, it's this weird, like mind fuck <laughs> you know it's like what are those um who's the artist that did those pictures of like the staircases that weren't really staircases that were like <laughs> that were that were like um they're like they, they go one direction but they look like they're going the other direction like that it's kind of like that you know that's how they came up with this art story it's like his story is that there is no story but there is a story it's like I, i'm gonna need you to give me something else here you know <laughs> it's like okay well he kills people in fun ways lots of gore yes Perfect. Make your movie. How long is it going to be? Two hours and 20 minutes. Oh, that hurts, but go ahead. <laughs> Let's see what you can do with it. I'm going to give you, if anything, we can cut most of it out and make it a Blu-ray extra, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure how interested I am actually in seeing Terrifier 2. If like, you well, see it, fast forward through any part that doesn't involve art. And you'll have a fight. You'll be fine. You'll be just. It's like, I'm not even like a big, like torture porn movie watcher. Like this, this isn't my thing. It's not my. I am much bigger on like um, supernatural horror or just outright slasher type than this. Yeah, and the thing with this is, this would have been the biggest movie in the world if it came out in 2004. You yeah. know, it would be the biggest two movies in the world if they back to back them, like in the Saul universe. It would be seen as a Saul knockoff or a hostile knockoff or whatever, but it would have done a shit ton of money oh, because yeah. that first Saul movie was made for a million bucks and it made no, it was made for like a hundred thousand bucks or something like that, and it made like 10 million or like a hundred million or some ridiculous amount of money. It quadrupled twintupled its profits you know and it they got a new one every year <laughs> and so if terrifier came out in 2002 or three it would have gotten a sequel a year later and this damien leone would have been able to make his franchise of art the clown and people would be debating who's a better horror clown pennywise or art you know it's it would have become its own thing but he made it six years ago. Now, what I do want is a Terrifier 
killer clowns from outer space crossover. <laughs> like the yeah. killer clowns from outer space run into Art the Clown. Exactly. Exactly. And like looking at my notes here, um the there it and oh that's the other thing in the second one. In the second one, there's this strange little girl that is like she's like a ghost with art and the thing is though there is one shot of her because she's got these like bright yellow eyes at one point and there's a shot where he's in like his there's there's black like blacked out van like creep van she's in the front seat of it and all you see is it's a long distance shot all you see is her face in the with through the driver's window and it's creepy as hell it's legitimately bone chilling and I was like, okay, so at least this dude knows how to like unnerve the hell out of you with just a shot. Whereas in this movie, that shot is when Art is coming up the staircase, and he's coming up the staircase with the cat lady's hair on and her and her you know chest on. Yeah, and he's just kind of doing like a like a little bit of a um. And I say it because Karen just watched Clerks too. She had Clerks too on when Jay does the um Buffalo Bill in Clerks yeah. too. He's kind of like sashaying, kind of like that. I was like, that's a creepy as hell shot, and that's what a lot of this movie should be, as opposed to just straight up art mugging for the camera while he saws a girl's vagina. You know, it's. It's it both of which are good, but they somehow work against each other when you put them in the same movie, and it's so odd of a thing to say That's because the other thing that sits out so tonally in this movie, like it just sticks out like a sore thumb, is when they're selfieing with him in the pizza place. I mean, it sticks out because of what happens afterwards, yeah. but because of what happens afterwards, that scene almost justifies it because they're not treating this creep the way they should, (laughs) which is stay the fuck away from him. Get your pizza to go and run. Do not wait for your sister to pick you up. Just run. (laughs) I'm sure you can find a crowded place somewhere for her to pick you up safely. (laughs) Except I'm pretty sure he would just kill everyone in the crowded place. That's the thing. Like he doesn't really, he he really only comes after them essentially because she's so weirded out by him. You know, it's, it's weird because I don't, art doesn't have a motivation other than the sense that he's in the right place at the right time with his bag of torture tools to be able to murder you. (laughs) I feel like if she had somehow gotten out of that building, he would have just killed everyone in the building and been like, you know what? I'm going to go smear my shit on somebody else's public toilet you know, (laughs) and write my name in my own feces, which is why he does at the pizza place to get kicked out. But it's, it, it's it's one of these movies where you're like, I, I'm glad I saw it, but at the same time, I wish there was more to it, you know? I, I wish there was more to the Terrifier movies than great, excellent gore, you know? I, I wish there was an actual story involved here, you know? But there's... That apparently with a $35,000 budget was a bit too much to ask, I yeah, guess. you can get an actual script, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, my God, what do you you want the guy to be able to eat, you know? (laughs) It's like, how's the matter with you, asshole? But, all right, so that was Terrifier, and that's our horror streaming week. Now, Mike, before we talk about what we're going to be talking about next week, why don't you tell people where they can already find us? 
All right. You can find us for your streaming pleasure at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Go like all our stuff, subscribe to all our stuff, comment on our stuff, you know, the gist by now. Just, just do stuff, you know, and uh, we will respond. We do talk. Yep. Uh, we were, we, I was reminded um, when I made our Thanksgiving post. I was reminded the movie Dutch is apparently also a Thanksgiving movie. Hadn't remembered that. <laughs> so thank you, Jeff, uh, with this one. And uh, apparently people love our Mel Gibson episode too. It's like, uh, so yeah. Oh, that, that's coming. been fun. <laughs> keep talking. We love it. It's, it's, it's a lot of things that other people on the internet would discourage, but God damn it. We love our listeners, whoever you are, wherever you come from, we love you. And um, it's because of that. We have another episode coming up next week. Um, so we're doing streaming action next week, which, ooh, I mean, it, it's a, it's a very slippery slope that we could fall down and oh, yeah. we're starting off with a very slippery one, which is a Steven Seagal straight to streaming movie called beyond the law, which I believe one of his good movies is called above the law. <laughs> so I really hope. Fingers crossed that this is somehow a weird distance sequel to that movie. <laughs> well, we get DMX in it. <laughs> Which R.I.P. to Earl Simmons. I I will I hope that this was not the last thing you did with your time on Earth. You know, <laughs> I hope this is not the last thing you gave the entertainment industry because that is terrible. But we will also be talking about. Army of Thieves, which is uh, Zack Snyder, Netflix action movie, sort of prequel to Army of the Dead, which was his zombie movie that was put to Netflix. And then we'll also be talking about Red Notice, which is, I believe, Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot, um, some sort of heist uh, You'll movie. be happy to know that DMX was in three movies after Beyond the Wall. Oh, thank God. Good, 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 good. I did not want that to be the last thing our dear Darkman X did. Uh, before he uh before he left now one of them was fast and fierce death race interesting that sounds like an asylum picture that went straight to uh straight to streaming speaking of but it was also you know uh that would have been a that would have been a movie store a, a video store uh fake out thing like hey new fast and furious don't pay attention to anything around just watch it yep. <laughs> just run it and watch it but yeah so we will be also talking about finally red notice and uh that's Wonder Woman, Deadpool, and Black Adam uh, do some bank heisting, I think, or some sort of heisting. I don't know. Fucking, I'll watch it. But that's what we'll be talking about next week when we see you again. So until that time, I have been Ross Bay. I've been Mike McWiggan. We'll see you guys next time. So long.